0: I think what we have here in Hollywood is high art. It's party time, smuggle time! If
1: you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go?
0: I always wanted to be part of something bigger. Yes. Let's go! Something that lasts, that means something. You are now into the oh I say, that you're fond of me lobster. Molly, you in danger, girl. Your ass looks like about 150 pounds of bubble gum piles, you know that? Say it, sir! I don't believe you people. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh? Now answer my question. Were you rushing or were you dragging? Answer! I love it. What's going know, on, what everybody? Welcome it to Film great, Code. My name it, is Phoenix
2: I mean. Cloudon and as always, joined by the two greatest co-hosts in the world. we of course, here with my man, Zach Sneef. Zach, how are you, sir?
0: Man, I'm doing great. It's late, but I'm ready. I'm here for it. Ready to talk about it. <laughs>
2: And of course, joined by the former co-leader of uh, film. Former. former, former, we're we're still tied right
1: now, bud. No, no, I, I, you have been yeah, defeated, sir. Yeah, <laughs> Phoenix won. <laughs> no, he we're tied right now. I'm no. I'm in the
2: lead, but it's not over. You still have a chance, but you will lose. Anyway. Ha, since when are you in the lead?
0: Since, He's been in the last yeah. time he won. He was in the lead, man. No, yeah. it, it tied us up. No, no, he was in the lead. I've been in the lead. I'll we'll go over it. It doesn't matter.
2: But anyway, <laughs> Brandon, how are you, man?
1: Man, I am good. Phoenix, man, it's it, <laughs> we are weeks late on, re- on reviewing this, but at the same time, I'm actually glad. At the same time, we are because I it has given me time to just rewatch, rewatch, and rewatch, rewatch this film <laughs> so many times to where I have so much to say about Babylon. So much to gush about, so much that I could just give, so much love on. Oh my god, I cannot wait to discuss with you guys. How are you doing, Phoenix?
2: Man, I'm in the same boat. Man, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Um, yeah, like let's let's just dive in because we we got a lot to say. Um, so Babylon. This is the fourth film directed by Damien Chazelle. It stars Margot Robbie, Diego Calva brad pitt and i'm missing somebody uh gene smart is in here and we got toby a cameo McGuire. from olivia Wilde. yeah olivia Wilde. we get a cameo from toby mcguire as well um it when i originally heard about this story it may have been like maybe two or three years ago at this point uh but this was supposed to come out pre-pandemic but obviously got pushed back um all I knew about this was that it was supposed to be a, you know, a film about the 1920s era of Hollywood and the transition to, from silent films to talkies. And I remember like the first poster I saw for it was just, you know, some palm trees and it was in black and white and it had gold lettering that said Babylon. And I was like, okay, so Damien Chazelle's doing like, you know, a historical, you know, Hollywood, you know, story. I was like, okay, that's gonna be, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be fascinating no matter what, right? Flash forward to 2022, the movie finally comes out and the word on the street is it's it's literally torn. Is it a masterpiece or is it an absolute disaster? Like, the, and to me, I was like, Damien Chazelle making a disaster? That just doesn't seem likely. And, uh, you know, if you, you know, if you've listened to our uh, best and worst uh, episode, uh, we are not on the disaster side, (laughs) um, but I finally, I, I waited to do my best of the year because I had to see Babylon. I wanted to give it a fair shake. I was like, you know, a lot of people are trashing it, but let me see for myself. Oh, my God, I love this movie.
1: <laughs> this is I just yet another reason to not listen to your peers on what <laughs> to and what not to watch.
2: Yeah, I'm like, I know I get the some of the vitriol. I get it. I get some of it. But for the most part, no, this is absolutely fantastic. But that's just me. Zach, what do you think? What, are your, what were your initial thoughts going into Babylon and coming out?
0: You know, honestly, I wasn't really sure what it was going to be about because the trailers, I, I did see the trailers. And all of them really kind of showed, like, just kind of a party scene. I didn't do mm-hmm. any reading on it beforehand from anyone. I didn't, like, I didn't read up on anything about it except it, close to when it came out, you know, that people were torn on it. But, I really didn't have any expectations going in. Um, I actually didn't like it the first time because I was tired, and I think I just couldn't really think, process everything. but on rewatch, like obviously, I changed my mind. um but yeah, I uh, I didn't really have any expectations going into it. I was just curious to see what it was about because the trailer was kind of confusing mm-hmm.
1: for me, I remember when this first film got first announced and I didn't look too far into it. I just saw the cast was absolutely stacked. I'm like, Oh my God, Toby Maguire is coming back to acting mm-hmm. and just like Margot Robbie. Cool. Brad Pitt. Cool. Never heard Diego Calva's name, but he was in there. And then I'm like, all right, cool. And then I saw the trailer. I'm like, this looks really cool. And I personally think for what this film is, it's marketed fairly crappy. um like even just they they literally mark like zach said they it's marketed as a party film and i don't like that because like even there's this this random line from Margot in the trailer uh, from nelly where she's like i just want everybody to party all the time nobody's she doesn't say that in the film nope like oh like come on like Mm -hmm. you're gonna do that and then you're gonna like advertise brad pitt doing a little dance and making himself fall off the little balcony which i mean that wasn't the reason he fell. Um, just I didn't like how this was just entire film was just marketed as a party movie. Like, because I, I went back and watched the trailer like a couple days ago too. I'm like, man, there's just there's so much deception here, and it's a shame because it's. I feel like it's pulling a lot of people, drawing a lot of people away from seeing this, and not to mention its release date. Oh yeah. Christmas weekend when you have Avatar out. Yeah. Having yeah. Avatar dude Avatar is just dominating the box office right now. And like Babylon has only pulled in I don't know what they brought in this weekend, but uh before this weekend they only pulled in 10 million out of their 80 million dollar budget. So we oh. we they they are it's bad, but <laughs> But back to back to um uh, not being on a tangent here for a second. Okay, yeah. Going in, I didn't expect much because you know I expected oh cool, a great party movie with a stacked cast. Let's see it. check, check this out. Three hours later, my life was changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: Babylon has made 13.5 million dollars on an 80 million dollar budget. Oh man, brutal, absolutely brutal uh please go see Babylon guys (laughs) like how many times can you see Avatar really two three you know take one of those trips and go see Babylon uh but um yeah if you had asked me literally just a month ago like I was this movie's biggest hater much like what Brandon said about the trailer like the trailer did absolutely nothing for me like nothing I I hated the the style of it. I didn't like the the comedy bits. It looked very much like a Wolf of Wall Street knockoff to me. I was like I I don't care for this. Like it, nothing about it is drawing me in. And the concept, the the premise that I had known about um from years ago, I was like I'm not seeing much of that here. Like I was like where is where is that story? And it's deceptively marketed and i think i agree with brandon like it's poorly marketed because the story that's in there is fascinating and rich and full of like very interesting and very um you know amazing stories but you don't get that from that trailer you wouldn't gather that there's so much meat in this story from that trailer because it just it just kind of just throws the uh the the craziness at you but it leaves no, none of the majesty of this film in it. Mm-hmm. So, that was my that's my beef with that.
1: Yeah, I don't even want to do a spoiler-free talk here. I want to just <laughs> dive right into spoilers. We have there was just so much to dive into.
2: I mean, it's a 3-hour movie. Like, like like we are we got an overabundance of long films this year uh yeah like I think I think like two hours and 35 minutes was like the average <laughs> for movies this year because we got we got bombarded but uh this one was what three hours and eight nice
1: three hours and nine
2: three hours and nine minutes yep this was so well paced I really didn't even fill the three hours. What about y'all?
1: Nope. Uh out of the five times I've seen this now, no. <laughs> there's there, there's not been a single time where the pacing has lacked for me. Um maybe it's because it's just <sighs> for me, we our 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 view of the film is through the eyes of Manny. Mm-hmm. And Manny's view of pacing is so out of this world because when he's with Nelly, it's insane it's fast-paced when he's with Jack it's different it's mellowed out he's in his own world so it's it's two separate things of a film together and it's something I don't think people realize it's just Manny is our narrator in a mm-hmm. sense
0: yeah I mean I, I'm kind of here and there as far as pacing goes um like, the first time I watched it, like like I said, I really didn't enjoy it. And I think that was because being tired, I really didn't like how I couldn't really pay attention that well to the way it kept changing up so quickly. Right. And so that's why. But the second time on rewatch, I was more awake and I definitely enjoyed it a lot more. The pacing was fine that time, but I was also a lot more attentive, too. Mm. Right. I feel like this is not just a movie you can just sit and watch when you're tired you guys feel free to disagree i you know you probably do that's oh, no, fine. I, I agree
1: with you there because like this is yeah. one of those ne- random netflix films where you can just throw into the background yeah
0: you can't throw the, like you have to pay attention to it um but like i still love this movie like i think it's great but i definitely think it is one where you need to be paying attention to it
2: oh i absolutely agree and i'm like I mean, for me like um the the pacing like yeah like i didn't feel the three hour runtime as as much as i did with other films but like it just it flowed like it didn't i won't say it flowed well it was like yeah it's exactly what you guys are saying like if you're paying attention you can you can follow it along but like if you are not all that into it or maybe you know something takes you out of it pretty early which is very possible because there's a scene in the very beginning that is not great, <laughs> like it's not a fun look. So I uh, can see if that takes you out of it. But uh yeah, other than that, like as long as you're you're following along and you're paying attention, because it does it, especially like that first what
1: 30 minutes of the movie is just our, that the 30 minute, like 31 minute mark is our cold open. Right. Like it's like it's we, it, <laughs> insane it's we it's it's 30 minutes of this wild ass party
2: and i mean this is um this was so amazing like i was so into it because you're talking about like it's like a live where's waldo puzzle (laughs) like like it's everything is happening there's drugs happening there's sex happening there's dancing happening there's There's...
1: midgets on dildo ping pong
2: all of that and then there's a band playing and then there's a fat guy upstairs getting peed on like (laughs) it's everything happening in this party there's actors there producers directors uh, somebody dies (laughs) like like, like, it's, it's all over the place it's insane and all i could think the entire time is this is incredible. <laughs> like, like, uh, like the only the only issue I could understand somebody might be having with this film is that Damien Chazelle. And it's like, if you know, if you've seen Whiplash, or you've seen La La Land, right? This isn't the movie you expect coming from Damien Chazelle. Like, mm-hmm. like this feels like a way out of left field, uh, take from him and then he,
1: he did not pump the brakes.
2: Yeah, and then for him to do it like right out of the gate first 30 minutes wild ass wild ass party. <laughs> like I I mad respect. Like mad respect for Damian Chazelle for going for it. Um I dug it. Uh I thought it was really just really creative, really uh showed a lot of ingenuity. I, I had a ball with it. I did hear better than La La Land. Definitely that. Oh yeah, uh, I
1: agree. <laughs> it's, it's his best film. Wow. Babylon uh, is his best film.
2: All right. <laughs> and then and then
1: and then it's Babylon Whiplash La La Land First Man. Wow. Without a doubt. Easily.
2: Er, okay. All right. I think I know what our Twitter question is gonna be this this week. All right. <laughs> no but um yeah that was i think i i heard another uh reviewer say that the thing that that kind of threw them off about uh babylon was that was mainly the damien chazelle aspect of it because they're like they're saying like it was both too much for damien chazelle and yet not enough right it was like It was like, if you're going to go that direction, you need to go way harder, even harder than Damien Chazelle did. And it was like, but because it was Damien Chazelle, it was still too much. It was like, it's like, this is not, this is not you, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it almost, they, their argument was it almost would have felt better if it were in someone else's hands. And I'm like, I can see that argument, but, you know, personally, gonna have to disagree <laughs> like, like like i can see that argument only because it's like it's just not something you're used to from this director but at the same time you go i love it when my directors you know especially ones that i like take risks and and go for it and damien chazelle definitely went for it so if we yeah. get more movies like this from him i'm all for
1: it <laughs> i i I am in complete agreement here I hope and, uh, he can make more movies after this. See, see, he's going to be able to make yeah. more movies. He's not going to get the budget like he did, though. That's, That's a us. damn shame. But, like, we are still, like, they still need to do an international release because they've only released it in the U.S. and I think a couple other countries so far. But the downside here is it's not going to release in China. Because of just how vulgar this, uh, the film is, mm-hmm. um, it'll make its big box office money in the UK and Australia. I think. Um, Hopefully. I dude, I really, really hope so, man. Um, they they need to bring in as much money as possible for this film.
0: I wonder.
2: Look out for Babylon, please.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, actually, wait. I'll wait till we get into the spoilers, but. I just wonder how Damien Chazelle feels watching this movie back and listening to Jack Conrad.
1: And if for and
0: like like in the context of uh, basically Jack Conrad. Uh, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's I missed what, it. what I'm getting at. Uh,
1: because okay, wait, wait, all right, tear the seal of spoilers now. <laughs> Yeah. All right, when when uh, he's talking about how like how his time has passed, mm. oh yeah, Damien's <laughs> watching back
0: like, oh yeah. man,
1: <laughs> he me. is John Conrad in this movie. Mm. So we
2: follow five five I do believe five particular characters in this movie. So there's uh, Diego Calva's Manny, Margot Robbie's Nelly uh Brad Pitt, Jack Conrad, um Giovanna Depot's uh trumpet player, I can't remember his name,
1: Sydney Palmer.
2: Yeah, Sydney Palmer. And uh who's the other one?
1: Uh who plays Who plays, Fa, who plays yeah. her?
2: I do not know. Let me get her name real quick.
1: Uh um, I, I got it. I got it. Um okay. Oh, Lee Jun Lee. Lee Jun Yeah, Lee Jun Lee. Fei Zhu. yeah.
2: Thank you. Yeah, she is buried down here. There he is. Yeah, Lee Zhongli plays Lady Feiju. Um, Absolutely fantastic performance. (laughs) All of these performances were really, really good. But yeah, Uh, so these are the five stories that we follow uh, throughout this movie. Obviously, we see, I think the trailer mainly highlights uh, the main three, Jack Conrad, Nellie, Leroy, and Manny. Uh, as they go through the world of of movie making, right mm-hmm. so basically the premise of this movie is uh they meet at this party, right this party is the catalyst for everything. uh Manny's like a fixer. he's like a you know he's like a hired hand or whatever um he gets close to Jack Conrad that night. Nelly like bum rushes the party and uh you know, sneaks in, gets her way in. Or actually, Manny helps her get in, and um, she ends up getting a role on a movie set because, like I said earlier, uh, one of the one of the people who dies the, is the a, the girl
1: who peed on the girl, yeah, on Orville. <laughs> the guy who peed, the girl who peed on Orville died, yeah, or OD, yeah, overdied and died. So Nellie was able to get the role because Flea. Who I'm not even. I'm just shocked he's in this film to begin with. I didn't even realize that was Flea. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, are you just now finding out, or I just
2: uh, no, I just now realized that that was Flea. <laughs> <laughs> Dude,
1: yeah, Dude, yeah. I, I he was great in this movie. He's like, mm-hmm. who the fuck? Is mm-hmm. her? I'm like, oh my god, I would expect a performance like that. It
2: was great. <laughs> it was really funny. Oh man, but like, yeah. So she dies. Nelly gets her spot. She and basically the whole uh, attraction between these two between Nellie and Manny, is that they both want to be in the movies, right? And Manny's like, you know, I want to be a part of something bigger. And Nellie's like, yeah, and I'm I'm a star, and I want to be a star. And it's these two concepts of Hollywood, these two concepts of what Hollywood is and what it means to people. That's what these two characters are, and that's what this contrast is. And then you have Jack Conrad, who is who's in Hollywood, who is a star, who who's, has all of the privileges of this life and, and does it. But he's been doing it in silent films. And now they're about to make that transition to sound and how that's going to change everything. And I think the way they handle it is brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the thing that I love about it is like, I don't know how many movies y'all have seen, Oops. I don't even know why why I just said that. Singing in the Rain,
1: right? Five-star film, love that film so much.
2: Singing in the Rain deals with this topic. And in Singing in the Rain, it's sort of a romanticized version of how they transition from from silent films to talkies. Mm -hmm. And in this one, I love how Damien Chazelle's like, yeah, it was, let's do a more vulgar (laughs) version of that right (laughs) right like i'm sorry for jumping ahead but one of my favorite scenes probably this whole year is when they finally decide that they're going to try to make a a a talking film and everything goes wrong (laughs) and like you got you you got the the sound engineer yelling at people you got the director yelling
1: the Nelly director's Shelly. assistant, dude. The dude, director. the director's
0: assistant,
1: man. Right. He needs, like, a chill pill or something.
2: <laughs> he was so good.
1: He's like, that was
0: my favorite part. If anyone loves to it
1: again, I will shit on you. I will shit in your mouth. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> it's like, good, Lloyd. It's like, good for fucking
2: sound. <laughs> I love that scene so much. It was my favorite beyond a shadow of a doubt because i'm like i just mm, mm, having worked on film sets you know how important it is to get your sound correctly oh it's torture and like <laughs> i felt this guy literally anything anything went off i think like somebody caught like somebody sneezed that's that's what set him <laughs> <on>. <laughs> who sneezed who the fuck sneezed <laughs> <laughs> oh man i lost it bro i I was in a packed theater, and I may have been the only person who was just like doubled over in laughter. That was priceless. That was one of my favorite. That was easily one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, man, I, <laughs> I completely
1: agree there. So, um, jumping back to the beginning a little bit. Um, there's not much to discuss in the party. Uh, the party <laughs> is the party, but um, we dive into the real meat and potatoes here. Um, as soon as the cold open, um, as not even before the cold open ends right after the party, um, Manny takes Jack Conrad home, and this is a scene that really gets me after a couple watches, is Jack is talking about how he wants to do more. Like, yeah, he loves being an actor. He's tired of getting... He's He, he told Lady Faye that he's tired of doing costume pictures, too, and like he wants to do more. He's like, why do people waste their gas and spend their money come see us? Because they want to be entertained and all that. So he wanted to do something more, and it's it's sad because what he wanted, he got what he wanted, but the crowd didn't want him. Yeah. And it's so sad and unfortunate to see just like this is what I personally think Jack Conrad is my favorite character of this film mm. because of that reason. It's just seeing his seeing his downfall and just who he is and who he becomes. It's just it's just sad, man. So um, like just even still inter- introductory things is like when uh when Nelly gets to kinescope and you just you see the the long back to the party a second you get two uncut shots there and then you get an uncut shot when she's walking into kinescope. Um dude, the camera looks freaking amazing in this film oh, but yeah. um just even the stuff at Kinescope where it's just you're seeing how like like a long one minute uncut shot of just all these different films being made and how they're just they're non-stop with it. It's it's great.
2: I love the scene where Manny uh shows up on set to help Jack <laughs> with the and, strike, yeah, with the strike. And I'm just like that that scene was hysterical with the guys chasing him, and then he hops on a horse and starts shooting at him. <laughs> That was hilarious, but then him having to get the camera was also hysterical. Like and all for it to finally culminate till they, they get this like incredible shot. I was like, oh I love it. I, I don't know who played the director. Uh that,
1: that was actually um I need to I need to pull it up real quick because he is actually a I think uh, he is
2: actually a director, isn't actually he? Actually
1: a director. I can't remember yeah um it's it's uh it's spike jones the director of her yes it was spike jones and like he was like crying and
2: like thanking like the sun for like giving them a beautiful sunset but he's like i'm sorry we can't use you i'm sorry like... god you gave us a perfect light now we, ruined it. <laughs> we are losing the light it was just oh my god so, so much like again things you wouldn't expect from Damien Chazelle like again if you've seen the other 3 movies although I don't know why you wouldn't expect it cuz Whiplash was hysterical but like like the comedy the humor the 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 raunchiness like it was over the top but it was so well done it was just so well done and shout I, out to the second greatest director cameo in a movie this year <laughs> dude,
1: I, i'd love to bring up the fact um of when they're showing the filming of the uh, of that giant just battle scene, one they're playing Night on Bald Mountain from Fantasia, and mm-hmm. it's Justin Herbert's version, which is great. But uh, I love the editing of it of just like they show the time and they show lunch back to filming at like two thirty or something. Mm-hmm. It, dude, it's just so funny because like they'll have all these battles, and then it'll, <laughs> it'll go to lunch. You'll see someone dead. He's like, you know, he had a drinking problem. Yeah, it seems like a pretty pretty bad issue. And then it jumps into the film
2: again. Yeah, because I mean like this is also during the time where uh this was before I think the uh oh, I forget what they called them, but the, there was a set of laws uh that you know or regulations. Was that union? Well that too, but like like yeah, it was like before all of that. So like mm-hmm. you know, there was no protections for actors for, for stunt crews like you know what I'm saying so if you died you died like it was kind of like oopsie like like that, that was it so uh i just thought like yeah it's just it it's really fun little neat stuff from this era like if you know anything about this early era of hollywood thrown in there every 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 uh little bit every now and then i just thought it had some fantastic touches throughout cuz it was just it was just hilarious.
0: I also love when they get there, like it's when you're talking about workers' rights and stuff. <laughs> like uh, Jack immediately goes, "This is Manny. He's the man. <laughs> He's like go deal, go deal with the who was it? The con the, the what was it like the contractors or something who were supposed to be acting? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. The,
1: they, yeah, they were all the extras.
0: The yeah, the extras in the movie." And they're like, "You're the queer they sent to screw us." That's the cocksucker they sent to oh, screw like, us. Cocksucker? Yeah, that's what they said. Good job for you. I'll do anything.
1: That's the cocksucker they sent to screw us. Yeah!
0: I can remember. That. I remember. Yeah, they said something like, oh, <laughs> "I god. was dead." I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> then,
1: I love when he gets on the horse and starts shooting the guys. Like, get back
0: to work. Get back to work. And then. And then, just like, like I told you, man, he's the man. <laughs> oh man, it was just so oh, good! Oh man, but that was like, hilarious!
2: Yeah, there's some funny stuff in here, man. And like the, you mentioned the scene where she shows up at when Nelly shows up at Kinescope and they're filming like 20 different movies, uh, at the same time, and that. Speaking of Damien Chazelle's camera work like that scene is marvelous, like not just for all of the 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 uh, movies that they're shooting. But when we finally get her scene like he had a he had a moment in La La Land, I believe, where like he's shooting one thing and then he spins to something else really quickly. And then he does. He keeps going like back and forth like that. Someone in the crowd. Yeah, he brings that back in this in this movie as well. Uh, the many times that we have to see Nelly cry and stuff like that is just really well done. The way he swings the camera like that and just creating that frenetic energy, and then even later when we see like she's doing multiple films and she, her and Samara Weaving, who who looks oddly
1: similar to her. Like, I'm so like... glad. I'm so glad that he 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 noticed it too. Like we all did. Right. Right. He's like, let me just cast them together and put them in scenes together.
2: (laughs) Right. And like they're playing off of each other. And like the first hour, I want to say, maybe a little bit longer of this film is really that frenetic energy kind of pace to it. You know, things are happening left and right. We're meeting all of these characters at once. They're all we're all we're diving into all of their stories and what they do and how why they're important and i i just love the setup because at first we see when we first see all these people uh we see them at that party right we see the trumpet we see uh sydney right playing his ass off chastising his bandmates (laughs) you know what i'm saying like really digging into him when we meet feiju she's got a killer intro she sings an incredible song there's one pet i like to pet Every evening we get set I stroke it every chance I get It's my girl's pussy Seldom plays and never purrs And I love the thoughts it stirs But I don't mind because it's her It's my girl's pussy. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Like, yeah, we're meeting all of these people, and we don't really know anything about them, but we're just diving headfirst in, and then as the movie goes on, we see, you know, these these guys who play instruments, man, they want to be in the movies too. We see Feiju, she was actually one of the people behind the scenes who wrote the scripts, for the silent films you know what i'm saying she she actually had a great contribution to to film but you we never knew her name and all that all that kind of stuff so it's all sort of being thrown in there and thrown at you very very quickly and it it is comes at such a rapid pace so maybe there's people who probably just didn't catch a lot of it and i get it um but i think it's like I said, it's just those little tidbits that they he threw in from like Hollywood history that I think just works so well. And then as the movie goes on, we do explore each of those characters, and we do see how Hollywood has a system, even back then, that took you in, chewed you up, and spit you out, <laughs> right? And I think I I just think it's such a brilliant way well done way of telling that story.
1: I agree. Um I you know what's crazy It's just like um moving forward just a bit is when we how do I don't want to put this when we get to the point of um when Manny's in New York and so is Nellie visiting family. Uh but Manny is there for mm. the premiere of the jazz singer. But um, I love the conversation they have on the ride back after visiting her mom. Mm. And she talks about how, like, she doesn't want anybody controlling her. She wants to show them that she did it on her own terms and that she's going to dance into the night. Flash forward to the end of the film. Mm. Last we see of her, she's dancing into the night
2: mm.
1: on her own terms. Mm. And that's just it's so perfect, man. But yeah. Um, Getting into the, the 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 scene where Manny is watching the jazz singer and just everybody's just riled up about it. As somebody who like okay, every, you guys know I love Disney and Disney used to have a ride called the Great Movie Ride, and at the end of the end of the ride, they had a giant montage of just Robert Osborne, who run, runs who used to run Turner Classic Movies,
2: yeah.
1: has a giant culmination of just all of his favorite films. And one of those is featured in Jazz Singer. And you hear, wait a second. Wait wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. I'm like, that sounds familiar. I'm like, oh, my God, no way.
2: <laughs>
1: and I love so, the
2: scene immediately after that where he runs out. He runs out of the theater and he just calls someone said, everything's about to change. Yeah. Like, like, And I'm like, yeah, like. I don't, I don't know if people know, like, obviously you don't remember, right? Because the last silent film was in 1928, right? (laughs) And we have had talking films ever since. And I don't think people realize how massive that transition was from, from silent films to talking films. It seems, it seems almost like second nature now you're like <clears throat> why wouldn't you have talking films but like you see the process of like that scene that we were talking about you see the process of how difficult it is to to make those movies the sound getting the sound right getting the lighting right getting the uh mics right you know what I'm saying then you have actors who never had dialogue before now they got pages reams of dialogue right full paragraphs and it's like, whoa, like, that's a lot to take on and how and how that affects different actors and how that affects production crews and, and everyone. I just thought, like, it, it's just... It, it was just really it, especially well done.
0: Yeah. I agree with you guys. Um, I think that it was really cool that they went with this because, as Phoenix is saying, like, not many people are going to remember, the, like, you know, silent movies, how big of a change that was. So, the fact that he went with a movie to, like, kind of, like, like a reminder of, like, the progress we've made in film is just super cool. Um, I don't really have much to say about it. I just really agree with what Phoenix was saying about it.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Man, so, we have reached, the our I guess, our favorite scene of the film... <laughs> is when Nellie is doing her first talking picture and just the constant interruptions are just so great. First time, she blows the microphone. Second time, she misses her mark. Third time, somebody opens the door. Fourth time, someone sneezes. Fifth Mm -hmm. time, she misses her mark again. Sixth time, just, oh my God, it's just over and over and over and over and and over. I think
2: it took like 20 takes. Seven. Just for that one scene. And I'm like, imagine doing that for every scene in the movie. Like, Dude,
1: yeah. But like, like it, it was just so funny when like they like when Don Wallach gets there and just the director's assistant is just losing his shit. He's like, <laughs> and just like Don Wallach looks over, he's like mortified he's like what the (laughs) hell is happening and just man it's just so freaking funny Uh, and just when they finally get the scene everybody's just celebrating but man the uh, director's assistant uh, oh my god uh, dude he is he is so freaking funny he he he
2: knocked it out of the park (laughs)
1: like like It was literally P.J. Byrne. He plays Max
2: P.J. Byrne. That was that's who he was.
1: Yeah, he's in Wall Street. Uh, Yeah, I knew I recognized him. That's what. like, Yeah, absolutely. Fire performance. When we did our top 10 um, of last year, uh, I think Zach sent a, a post in here. (laughs) <laughs> it was like thinking about him and it's literally yeah. just him like having a mental breakdown. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great. I love that one. Oh,
1: yeah, there was
0: uh, it was a Twitter post and it just shows him like absolutely like a picture of him freaking out as he's freaking <laughs> <his hands. laughs> Oh, oh so my god.
1: Good. Dude, this that is one of the best scenes of the film. I I don't think it's my personal favorite because that's towards the end, but this this was a this was a fantastic scene. And like, if, if this scene was, if not, if this film was ever losing you, this is where it got you.
2: (laughs) Oh man. Um, so I want to do, I do want to talk about these five characters, right? Because we are set on a immediate path between these five characters. and, each one goes in a different direction, but it's all very, very interesting. Um, I'll start with with uh, Giovanna Adepo's character, uh, Sidney, who, you know, he's he's a he's a trumpet player. He's really good, really, really good. In particular, I love the scene when they're <clears throat> sick, where he, all the uh, actors are, are doing a version of Singing in the Rain, you know, as a as a. Um, as a song as a musical whatever but you got the band playing he's going off like some of the riffs that he does um you know saying which is obviously some someone who's an actual trumpet player killing it but like like the riffs that are in there like they made me just love singing in the rain even more because he was like he was just killing it but um his story is very interesting because you know this is someone who was just playing music right he was just a, he was playing music he kind of wound his way into this world started making movies got you know decent decent amount he was he had i think they gave him a car a house the whole the whole nine and there's the the one scene where like the lighting is off and it's making him look wider and they were like it'll look like you know, we have a mixed band and we can't have a mixed band because that will turn off, you know,
1: the southern audience,
2: the southern audience. So they made him wear blackface. And I was like, "Ooh, like it's a horror. It, like it's an intense scene. I I loved it because it was like it was someone you, you saw someone who was like, this is the worst thing you could ever have me do. And he was still playing his heart out. He still gave his all to it. And then immediately he leaves. He's like, yeah, no. And I love his story in particular because it's like, here's someone who wasn't trying to get into Hollywood, like as opposed to the other four. Here's someone whose goal wasn't to be in the movies. He sort of just got wound up in it. And he was like, you know what? I don't need this. And he just walked away from it. He walked away from the house, the car, the money, all of it, all because of that, that level of disrespect. And I was like, that's just an amazing story. And you sit up there and you're like, when it's all said and done, you're like, how does this particular story fit into everything else that that we see? But I think it's just a unique way of saying, like, of, of showing one character's journey in this in this machine that we know as Hollywood. And he's the one who said, I don't need this. And I walk and and I walk away. And I I love that particular story i love all the stories really but i do really love that
1: yeah like like you mentioned um they made sydney do more blackface and like he's because he's already he's already african american but he's literally like oh yeah you're not black enough man that scene was so uncomfortable to watch because like (laughs) like, because the music just pairs so well but you do the camera turn towards his face and like you just see the black makeup on him like you're just sitting there so uncomfortably i'm like because like he's uncomfortable to making you uncomfortable <laughs> man it's just it's such an incredible scene yeah, but um really scene. and then i started thinking like like
2: how did how did damien chazelle convince Giovanna depo himself to even do that scene and i'm like yikes like <laughs> it was just a lot of uncomfortable conversations right there like oh man <laughs>
1: yeah um you know i was thinking about it um and it's just like even like right before they do the snake fight. Um,
2: oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, Irv, oh, yeah. Irv,
1: Irv comes up to him and basically hires Sydney for MGM, mm. which is awesome. Um, and he's like, he, he realizes he finally made it, and then um, they do the snake fight scene. That, that scene is hilarious, but I I, I feel like that's one of those scenes we can do without. Okay. If you ask me. Um but I mean I still love that scene. I just feel like if I were to if I had to cut it down, that'd be the scene I take out. Okay. But at the same time, there's I I think it uh Damn it, now I thought of George. George oh, when he's George. trying to drown himself in the toilet. <laughs> and and Bre- and jack connor was like who is it this time claire oh well, claire's a lesbian that's not uphill <laughs> battle for anyone <laughs> oh that man scene made me
2: die laughing. i totally forgot about george george was a george was a very fascinating character this was this is a guy who had money he he was one of the top producers in hollywood and he just didn't he wanted love that's all he wanted and he he kept Falling for, I guess, the wrong girls, or he kept falling too quickly. He was,
1: he was trying to rush into everything. Yeah,
2: he was trying to rush, and like he was he's like on top of being kind of very suicidal. But uh I just it, I wasn't expecting this movie to have an emotional hit with that character, mm-hmm. right? Right. I was like, I was like, I expected it with Nelly, I expected it with maybe Manny. Maybe even, you know, like with with Sydney, I was like, OK, but George was so unexpected. And like when that reveal happens, when he you know, when he eventually does kill himself. That hit me like a ton of bricks because I was just like, wow, I was like, you know, and, and I'm glad because it could have been an accident and it could have been played for last. And I'm glad it wasn't. Because it's like, here's this character who has everything that you would want, except for that one thing. And he took his own life because of it. And the effect that it has on Jack as well is like, it's like, it doubles over the emotional uh moment in that. So like, I love that scene. That's another scene that I really, really enjoy is when Jack is told that that George has died and he blows up at his wife over you know her being of kind of a pretentious
1: over broadway <laughs> yeah
2: yeah so like i i loved it it was just uh, it just threw me in for a loop cuz i was like that is not the character i thought i would have the emotional connection to but i i yeah. really
1: did. you know like mentioning jack talking about jack jack conrad a second and brad pitt is just a fantastic actor in this role like cuz once upon a time in Hollywood, you watch him. You're like, cool, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't see Brad Pitt in this role. I see Jack mm. Conrad completely, mm. and it's fantastic.
0: Mm. I I agree. Yeah, that scene with George, man, that one hit like really hard. <laughs> I uh, well, and then just Jack's response, I thought was so good too. Like yeah. the way he responded. You know, that's when he really goes into, you know, what movies are and what films are to people. I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um because he was like, you know, you sit up there in your ivory tower judging us for, you know, what we do. He goes, Well, what I do is a high form of art. And he gets like super defensive about it. And I thought that was just like not that she did anything wrong, but like just right. his emotional response was like just really cutting, you mm-hmm. know.
2: I will say, like he said something that that I've always wanted to say, because like, as a movie fan, like you'd be amazed at how many people I come across who are like, who are like, eh, movies. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and it's like, no, like, like, like I get it. Like, it may not be the love and passion that for everyone, but like, movies have a power to them that is unmatched it like in any other art like art form Mm -hmm. and i'm just like so when he like rails into her i'm like yes that's that's what i've always wanted to say this is just like yeah like you can have your love you can appreciate another art form way more that's true but do not deny or dismiss what film is and what it does because it does so much for so many people and I just like I was like yes, finally someone said it. So like kudos to to Brad Pitt to Damien Chazelle just for throwing that in there. I was like, that's that's all I've ever wanted to say to somebody.
1: Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, what's great about like this whole film is it's it's just one giant love letter to film and movie mm-hmm. making. It's like once upon a time in Hollywood was a love letter to. Uh, it was a love. It was just a love letter in general. No, that, not once upon a time in Hollywood. Fablemans. Fablemans mm. was a love letter to people who wanted to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Babylon is that film. It's a film. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a love letter to just movies in general and film overall and how far we've come, but um, so we we get the the scene where. By the way, the singing that singing in the rain scene. Um of where all the actors are singing which this made me laugh when he's like he's with george he's like and that's Noah's arc because it's raining so much right (laughs) but um that's that's an actual real life thing that happened oh yeah no yeah i didn't know that until a couple days ago i searched it up i'm like is this real but yeah no that, that that's real and exists so um i thought that was pretty cool but uh, that leads into Sydney getting hired to do his own uh, like music pictures which was awesome. I think that was great um how they showed that off. And then you jump right into Manny getting hired as a as an executive at Technoscope. And that entire montage where he's just he's becoming like that guy where mm-hmm. he he'll he'll be awesome in front of everybody. But like when he has to like fire Faye to get yeah. to keep Nelly on top, man, that scene was tough. I'm like, cause you because you sometimes you forget like same-sex related items back in the day was very frowned upon.
2: Oh yeah. But it was crazy to me because it was like in Hollywood, right? Like everybody knew that this existed. And most people were okay with it, obviously in Hollywood. But like they knew like it, it 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 was taboo in in the in outside of the outside of their bubble, so like yeah, because that was that was throwing me off for a minute. I was like, everybody's okay with this this chick running around kissing every girl she sees, in, in the 1920s, I was like, that seems that seems odd. But then I was like, oh, that's right, they're in Hollywood, <laughs> and
1: I'm like mm-hmm.
2: like of course that was okay. But like, uh, yeah, once you step outside of that bubble, like people are are questioning and they're criticizing and yeah so you couldn't have it.
0: Yeah, I um I really liked how they did make the characters eccentric, right? Because yeah. that's what movie people are supposed to be. They're not just average everyday people, like they're just different. <laughs> and that that's not necessarily like in a bad way, right? That's just yeah. say like they're just, you know, they're eccentric. They're they're you know a little different than other people maybe you would normally see but they're still people mm-hmm. and i just appreciate that they made them so eccentric and like different than just like your everyday person your average you joe know? yeah
1: yeah but um uh, so um i love how i love the scene where um the hearst party man that that's the the, the soundtrack in that scene is so good. Like I've listened to it so many times where it's just it's a just a different mix because you have every character you've introduced so far in that scene, all your main characters, with the exception of Faye, in that scene. They're all there with different intentions. Um Nelly is there to try and get her way into there and get her next next picture greenlit. Sydney is there to be a face. Uh, for Kinescope. Manny's there because Manny's there to make sure Nelly does good. Um Jack is there because he's part of that community.
2: Aww. And
1: so but the way the soundtrack just does it so well is it starts off peaceful and as things start to ramp up it gets more intense, more tense. Jack is get keeps getting like, oh my condolences, how are you holding up and all that? He's like, um I do miss him. He's like miss him. George, what are you referring to? Other another person hey, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about what's going on. You're in good spirits, though. And he's starting to realize, okay, the film's a flop. He's like, more power to them. I don't care. And then somebody says something about, like, hey, why wouldn't I get another chance? like, yo, I'm sure you'll get another chance. And Jack's like, why wouldn't I get another chance? And one of my favorite camera shots in this film that, like, that isn't a long pan or anything. It's just him walking out after trying to figure out what the hell is going on and he just walks out and back up to when manny is like being a first time like producer on set and all that he's being he's getting big and he talks to jack on the phone and jack's like happy for him you see like what's so good about the editing in the scene is you just see the true intent of everybody all at once Jack is walking out. He sees Manny, doesn't say a single thing to him, stares right. at him, walks right out.
2: Right. Yeah. It's it, like, that's what I mean, man. Like, like there's so many elements of this film that work so well, just like to bring it all together, editing, cinematography, uh, score, like they all just mesh so well together to really accentuate the story that they're telling. And accentuate the themes around it um i love that scene where uh (laughs) where nelly's trying to fit in at the party and she really can't do it it's just not it's not her scene it's not the way that she like feels and she she has a great monologue there as well where she like tells them like you're not better than me (laughs) like like just because you do this or you you live in high society does not make you better than me and you don't there
1: there are so many people in life i wish i could say that too
2: yes (laughs) oh yeah and like and 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 i thought it was thought it was great like so the one thing that i would take out though is her projectile vomiting (laughs) at the end i'm like although i get it it's it's even more of a you know middle finger but it's still like maybe maybe pinch that back just a little bit but (laughs) but yeah i get i get it um yeah that leads into probably my favorite scene like jack goes to the theater he sees how his movie's playing and he sees people laughing at you know his movie and then he can't he can't get a call back. No one no one wants to take his call, no one's no one's hiring him. And he finally like he does like an interview with uh Gene Smart's character, and it looks like it's going well, and then she publishes like you know the Dallas. Jack knowledge. Conrad through. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Man, and, so you when he that scene when he's making the calls, the soundtrack there, Damascus Thump mm. is just so good, too, because um, I loved, I love the camera work in this, sh- in this scene, just even from the beginning as you see Sydney getting ready to do his picture. He's sitting there just in silence and he gets knocked the door. He's ready to go. He walks out and you think you're, you're, you think the camera's going to follow him and out of nowhere, out comes Manny and you're following Manny now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And just the look on the Manny's face, he's just determined. He's angry about something. And just so many people are going up to him, talking about different things. Oh, can we green like this? Does the the movie money look good? How does this machine gun look? It's just so well done, man. Absolutely. And there's, like,
2: there's so many incredible scenes. But, like, the thing um, I love is when Jack finally confronts uh jean smart's character i wish I, I i had her name somewhere but uh confronts her and eleanor 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 st john um and she basically just she she gives the monologue of of almost of the year <laughs> like like where she tells him like like the truth basically is like like your time is over like It has nothing to do with your voice. Has nothing to do to do with you. It's merely this era. Like this era is over, and you are the last remnant of it, and you're done. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but she tells him, she's like, it's okay, because your movies, your work, will live forever. Like you will be immortalized. Someone who wasn't born. For 50 years, we'll turn on one of your pictures and it's like they know you. You know what I'm saying? It's like they they know who you are. And I loved that scene so, so, so much. And it's, and it's again, it's just truth in in what film does and how film connects us to a time period that maybe we weren't a part of, to a character that we never knew, to a A person who we idolized and now we see you know behind the curtains all of those things like and I she she spoke to that and I just thought again just brilliant brilliant writing for this movie I know it's got a lot of gross out moments I know it's got projectile vomiting and an an up close shot of an elephant taking a dump and like you know and a wild crazy orgy scene I know it's got all of that But buried right underneath all of that is this really unique truism about movie making and filmmaking and Hollywood and what it's like to be in this in this world. And that's what I loved about it.
1: it, This is this. This is the one scene that just feels the most grounded out of the entire film. Yeah. And just like she mentions, just like, oh, yeah, it's like someone 50 years from now will. I feel like they know you when they roll your film. Casablanca, you feel yeah. like you know Humphrey Bogart because you see Casablanca, you see uh, the Maltese Falcon. You think, hey, yeah, I know Humphrey Bogart. Cool. Singing in the Rain. I know Gene Kelly. I know Donald O'Connor. I've watched this film so many times. I feel like I know them. That's, that's how it feels. Yeah. And it's just such a beautiful scene. Just like, let's just say 50 years from now, I'll throw on Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> you'll feel like you know these. I mean, I mean, I do, I mean, I do know Mark Hamill and a few other people <laughs> because I met them, but um, but you'll feel like you know him, like like Carrie Fisher. You've seen all of her interviews, mm. and just you feel like you know all about her. Harrison Ford, you feel like you know about him, you know?
2: Yeah, like I said, it's just it's an incredible truism. Uh, and to me, like that's what connected me to this film the most is outside of the raunchiness there was this pure truism that obviously as a film lover as a movie fan as a hopefully future uh screenwriter and future oscar winner myself like like, this obviously
1: speaks to me on that level i think i feel like we can now move on to one of my favorite cameos of a returning (laughs) actor after so long of a non-Spider-Man role. Right. Kobe motherfucking Maguire. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God, dude. He, I didn't know he was an executive producer on this film until like a week ago.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I I didn't realize that either. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, he had a huge part to play in this film. That's awesome. When he (laughs) was like an actual actor of this film oh my god he just like you just see it on his face like he is scary (laughs) he is a scary person to one do business with and two be around for so long (laughs) like i feel so bad for manny because the count screwed him yeah because like the scene when like because you were finding out the same time manny does that it's movie money that they're mm. giving 85 grand of. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, you dumb fuck. <laughs> you dumb fuck, you just fucked all of yourselves.
0: <laughs> oh and then, then he makes it worse by going in with a drink for the guy.
1: Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, like,
0: you, you wanna go for a drink? And he's like, yeah. And oh, man, he's god. like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my god. And just uh James McKay's um Movie ideas
0: about oh, the god. joke being
1: on us—that we think it's a kid, but it's just a fifty-year-old midget. I'm oh, like, my oh my god. god! His movie ideas
2: were so horrible. <laughs> they were so horrible. They were they were terrible. Like I like me personally, like if I'm standing next to a gangster who I know is like a probably a psychopath, and you know and i'm paying him 85,000 dollars in fake money <laughs> he's pitching the worst uh movie ideas i've ever heard i'm going to play it like like he's he's telling me the greatest thing's ever like <laughs> like he's like he's like oh yeah and then we'll do a movie about you know uh someone who can't, can't count
1: right it was like Dude, i was like the way he he literally says the full r word i'm like oh my yeah. god I was like, like, you, like, you can't ever say that in films anymore. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, like, they put that in here. Yeah, I'm like, I would
2: have been like, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, we should talk. Yeah, give me your card. Like, yeah. Like, you know what? Let me go to the studio right now and get a crew together for that so we can get the hell out of here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how I would have played it. Like, like, oh, man. But I will say, before you just told me that uh Toby Maguire was an executive producer on this movie. Uh that would have been the one scene I would have cut. Really? Yeah. Like although I love Toby and I love seeing him and I and I'm glad that we did get that um and obviously with him being an executive producer there's no way his scene would have, get, would have been gotten cut. But um I feel like it's the one scene where um that's that's where much of the devi- divisiveness is coming from, because it's like, I think some people think it goes a little bit again, like, too far. It's like, we got an underground sex dungeon, or, or, you know what I'm saying, there's like a circus underneath, there's like a couple of deformed people, you got a guy who eats rats, and I think there are like, you know, a, a movie about 1920s Hollywood, this seems like it's stretching the limits, but I was like, I was like, no, not really, because I'm like, you gotta think, the circus was still very, very popular around this time, so that's where many of these people probably came from, mm-hmm. is like their underground circus acts. So like, I kind of see it, but I'm like, the only reason I would have said I'd cut it is just because I'm like, imagine, imagine a match cut where it goes from. Uh, the the count telling him like it's it's um it's mm-hmm. movie money it's it's fake money and you know and him being like don't worry it'll be fine and then from there it immediately cuts to them running to the car while they're being shot at <laughs> like like I'm like that would have been okay that would have been a hilarious cut but like and that that right there is like 20, 25 minutes out of the movie but uh I like obviously never would have happened with, with, with Toby Maguire as the executive producer but that's the one scene I would have said okay maybe cut that and that might have cut down not only on the time but also on maybe some of the divisiveness but even still I love that scene <laughs> and I'm so yeah. glad it's there and you know it would have been like, a cool like you know dvd extra feature scene but I still loved it
1: something I love is like um we you you see how like how much justin herwitz pays like homage to debbie reynolds Mm. that um that little dungeon scene of like where like i think the second to last floor and you hear like the weird dappy 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 music or whatever Mm -hmm. and you see like the little short guy like walking around the the it, it yeah whatever uh but that song is a weird, demented version of Debbie Reynolds singing um in a film. I don't know the name of it, um, but it's it's a um it's a film that um that she did with another actor. I'm scrolling through really quickly to see if I can find it because I have it in my YouTube history somewhere. Um, it's called oh, yeah uh Debbie Reynolds and Carlton Carpenter from Abadaba Honeymoon. Mm. Uh, uh, they're singing this song called Abba Honeymoon. Uh, it's um, it's a film called Two Weeks with Love, and wow. this is one of Debbie Reynolds's first films, so it's just another way for him to pay homage to Debbie Reynolds, and I love it.
2: Debbie Reynolds was an
1: icon, she is. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Zach.
0: I was just gonna say. I kind of agree with Phoenix. I feel like they could have left out, but I also really did enjoy that scene. I thought it was pretty hilarious. Um, I thought Toby honestly did like a really great job acting in that scene. I thought he did really well. So I don't necessarily understand why people are. I mean, I guess I get what Phoenix is saying about the circuit, like the fact that it's so like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not over, but like so. Uh, I guess raunchy maybe or over the top with uh some of the like the characters like the devil horns. You know, I don't know if right. that threw some people off, but um, I thought it was great. Like, and I, I honestly personally wouldn't change it, but I like I agree with Phoenix. Like, they could take that out and maybe have done something a little different with it, but I'm I'm. Also happy that scene's there. I really did enjoy that scene. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Man. So um so as soon as they, they rush out and they get in the car comes one of the saddest scenes in the film. Mm. Is when Jack is sitting down and he sees Faye one last time mm. and just calling back to the first time they sit and talk together. Wait, and- I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry. There's a, there's like yes but there's a scene before that that with with Jack that is absolutely fantastic that i have to mention um it's when he gets the phone call to do like his last movie
1: oh yeah and yeah uh, yeah and he's like he's tell like, me tell me it's a, i want you to be honest with me yeah and he's like again just a fantastic
2: monologue and he says like i'll do you a favor you know what I'm saying i'll do you piece of shit movie just tell me it's a piece of shit like like He wants to know that his last days of of working on films is, is he wants to know it is definitively over. Right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's the thing about this particular character as well. What I love so much about Jack's story is he's the one person who's entrenched in Hollywood. Right? He's the one person who's entrenched in Hollywood. And he's so used to the life, right? He's gotten very used to that life, the parties, the money, you know, all of it, the fame, all of that. And then all of a sudden it's over. Like it's a really hard thing to wrap yourself around is that that life is over and you're no longer needed in those spaces. You're no longer wanted in those spaces. And you know you're not getting the roles that you want anymore you're not you're not invited to the to to everything and so i love that he's the one character who's like you know if this is it you know what i'm saying if this is if if it's over for my career then it's also over for everything else
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's just that that scene there is just also really sad it's like Um, even when he's just sitting down getting hair and makeup done by Harold, he's like, Harold, how are you, man? How many pictures have we done together? 82 or 83. And just he's just sitting there after he films that scene, he just sees everybody on set just doing their own thing, just normal day. And he's just he feels so out of it because he knows that we'll keep spinning without him,
2: keep spinning without him. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, back to what you were saying with his conversation with Beiju yeah, that was yeah, uh, man,
1: that was man. something. And it's so sad. Like I don't like even the soundtrack. His his the song that plays where it's called Jack's Party, the mm. song where he, that plays when he shoots himself. Man, just like he's like, I'm tired, Faye. Just what? another divorce, another girl, another divorce down the road. I'm tired, and just like. She wants to be there for him, but she, I think, but she realizes what he wants to do, and I think she lets him. Mm-hmm. And so she walks out, gets one last look, and you just see Jack, and it's just one uncut shot of giving the um, the bellhop all of his money, and then going upstairs, taking a pistol, and shooting himself. It's one of the saddest films and the, the saddest scenes in the film, because like you follow this character for so long, you've seen his highs, you've seen his lows, and just, man just the scene where he just decides to shoot himself it's so sad because you follow- you love this character you follow this character from beginning to end
2: yeah i i love jack i thought jack was such a great character and like i knew that scene was coming uh probably like right when his conversation with Feiju ended i was like yeah this is this is it for jack but um i love that conversation man like it's 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 both of them because like also like we mentioned feiju she she got fired right so she's she's leaving not only is she leaving hollywood she's leaving the united states like she's going to europe i think and like Yeah,
0: yeah she was going to europe
2: yeah and i'm like you're you're now you have a character another character who was also entrenched in that system but found another outlet right Like she, she wasn't getting recognition. She, most of her work was being done on the back, on the back end and no one, no one acknowledged her. Uh, They hid her sexuality. Uh, But now she gets to go to Europe and she'll probably be a little bit more freer. She, she found a second way to go outside of the Hollywood system. And Jack didn't, like he, he doesn't even have that option. And I just thought, like, that conversation showing, like, those two paths and how they diverged, even though these are two people who are friends and who love each other, and they they can't walk the same path. I just thought that was really brilliantly done, and we see Jack's, stories, Jack's, stories, Jack's story ends, but also, like, at least in this movie, Feiju's story ends as well, although... You know, we know that she probably went on to do some something else or something more. But I, I, I love that scene. I just think it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and where he goes, um, you know, it was the most magical place in the world, wasn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such a good line, like yeah, such a oh man, like <laughs> because it's like it's it's an acknowledgement that like that was it was everything to them you know so it was everything and now it's gone you know mm-hmm. and and even though it's still there it's just there in a different way that they can't
1: participate in i
2: love that scene <laughs>
1: yeah man so um here's where i think manny should have made different decisions <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 rushing to get out because they know they're they they know they're dead men. Mm-hmm. And Manny goes to get gas and um Nellie's just like high out of her mind and she's like, Manny, they have dancing. And he's like, mm-hmm. he's trying to live and I feel like he should have left her there. <laughs> but <laughs> like, but without him going to get her, we wouldn't have had a perfect scene of Nellie's final send off of her walking into the night. But um, like I I I don't want to rush this scene, but I feel like there's not much to say about it. Which I way? don't know but about. I mean, about just between after Jack's death and up until where, um, the Count and his roommate get killed.
2: Yeah, I mean it's interesting because it's a uh, it's the other story that's yet to wrap up at this at this point and you know we've all like i think manny says to her in the beginning that he's in love with her and finally like he tells her like that's the that's the only thing that this these scenes actually uh add value to is he finally confesses his love to nelly and um you know and it's interesting like like you said i think it's really at that point, it's really just the symbolism of her dancing off into the night, you know, and just getting out on her own say. Um, there's a, a quick uh, cut of, I don't know if this happens before or during the uh, montage at the end, but we see like a, a newspaper and it's got like a tiny little paragraph yeah, just about Nelly. And I was like, that to me was heartbreaking, right? Cause it was like it was like especially after going through three hours with these characters, and how big they put, you know, this Hollywood light, you know, on themselves, and for when she finally died, she got like a paragraph in the newspaper. That's yeah, oh,
1: it, no. it's it's when uh, it's when Sid is playing his song,
2: yeah, which was killer, <laughs> which
1: was just absolutely so absolutely good, but like mm-hmm. like it just covers so many things. It's just like. It talks about Jack. I mean, we see Jack's funeral. It shows. um, What is her name? God's sake. Um, Eleanor. It it shows Eleanor's death. It shows. Yeah. um, It shows the rise of more and more talking actors, actors and actresses. It shows like the rising stars. It shows Debbie Reynolds again. Right. uh, Man, he loves Debbie Reynolds. I love Debbie Reynolds. (laughs) She's the best. Um, But um, just it just shows so much. And then at the very end, like you said, she gets this tiny little paragraph and had had it been five years sooner, she would have had main page news. Right. And so right. It just, it, 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 like, it even, it doesn't even say like star or, or actress and star. It says former talking, uh, former silent films actress. Yeah. actress. Yeah. Did it 35. I'm like, man, like, I I can't wait for the HD cut so I can read the full article. Uh, mm-hmm. like, but man, it's just it's sad to see just the rise and fall of everybody,
2: right? But that's that's again what I loved about it is like these stories, especially because of how this movie is sold to you. It's sold to you like this is a never-ending party, right? <laughs> like like that's the idea, that's the concept, and then we see this crash. We see essentially. The fall of Babylon, right? Right. And all of these characters, where it's like you were riding this high, but eventually, like when it came crumbling down, like no one, no one was there. Like no one, no one remembers you. And I think that is the saddest part of this whole movie. But it's also the beauty of it that even if we didn't, we never knew you, the work still lives on. And, Mm I, I love that about this movie
1: oh okay <laughs> all that, right we now on to the best one <laughs> the one of the best film endings of all time you have a one hell of a time jump that's like 15 or 16 years and it might be a little bit more actually because I think this ends in 1932 and it's 19 it's a 20-year time jump then because yeah. it's not because nice the rain came out in 1953. Yeah. and so uh zach have you seen singing in the rain no you need to see it it's oh, on HBO max please will, watch it
2: that will make the experience of this movie even better i think even just slightly better
0: <laughs> i'll have to check it out i just watched uh 2001 space Odyssey* yesterday so nice, awesome. <laughs> uh, nice. But,
1: um but yeah, we got a 20 year time jump and he's with, he's married now from New York. He lives in New York, owns a radio shop and he visits Kinescope with his family. And I think it's a perfect send-off of like, we only see his family for like a minute and a half and they go back to the hotel, which is perfect. It's not just all of them just walking the streets. I think the, the daughter being tired was the perfect way to write them out. And he walks past the theater. He's like, let me stop by and it's movie tickets are 50 cents i wish that was still <laughs> the case now but, but um so he goes to sit down he he, he falls asleep and um he wakes up Oh, first of all, he sits down, and I hear all I do is dream of you. I'm like, oh my god, they're they're showing singing in the rain. Yeah, and he goes to sit down, he falls asleep, he wakes up. It's later on in the film, showing just like Lena is Nelly. Yeah, and he's like, oh my god, like there's so many just different emotions of why he's crying. There's one. This film is sort of about his life, and like the like the jump from talking pictures from silent pictures to talking pictures to two nelly he realized that nelly completely ruined his life and mm. the thing he wanted to do the most was make movies and be on a movie set and that was stripped away within a matter of minutes because he had to he wanted to protect nelly to three he realized oh my god i was a part of something i did this mm-hmm. it's just so many mixed emotions man but um and then it jumps into the song singing in the rain and Gene Kelly starts singing it and you just see the tears and just dude the, the camera shot where it shows like all the different people in the audience to like the couple making out, to the guy just, <laughs> just his eyes are glued, to the kid that's asleep, to the kid just like that reminding me of Sam Fableman, just like right, just right mesmerized by it, and then you Pan over to Manny, who's just absolutely just he's he's crying, he's sobbing, and then you get one of the best scenes <laughs> and scene endings in it all one of the best movie endings of all time by Damien Chazelle being able to just pay homage to all of his favorite films within light with a copyright licensing. But, um, <laughs> man, it's just. Back to the, me talking about the great movie ride. Just that how they had that ending montage in the great movie ride. I feel like da- there's no way Damien Chazelle didn't go on that ride at all because <laughs> just their... like being able to ha- having letting him be able to just show all the films that inspired him. Like I'm kind of glad Paramount is owned by Disney because Disney has like every single company now of just all the greatest films you you had raider the lost ark you had tron you had singing in the rain you had wizard of oz excuse me um you had terminator 2 you had did i say i don't know if i said tron um but you had jurassic park the matrix like are are you freaking kidding me you had trip to the moon you had trip to the moon in there for like a split second like Mm -hmm. dude
2: to me, I love that montage so much because I feel like it was it was the perfect way to wrap up this this theme of this of this film, which is like you know, yet like especially with Manny crying to singing in the rain, right? This is in nineteen fifty three, like you said, right? But he doesn't know where movies will go from there, right? And so you have this montage that's like. Like, yeah, past, present, future. This is where movies have, have gone and and where they can continue to go. And I was just like, and the movies that you talk about, these are cornerstones of, of you know what I'm saying, of filmmaking. You're talking about, you know, Jurassic Park was a game changer. Avatar is an absolute game changer. Like all of these films, The Matrix, like, these were all like steps in in the the Hall of Fame of, of of Hollywood history, and it's like it's so it's so perfect. And then like when it finally comes back to Manny, it's almost like he's he got a he got a glimpse of it. It's almost like he got a glimpse of where film could go from there, and and he sort of made peace with it right at like that's that's where his journey in this story ends is while some people escaped and never looked back some people died he finally got to make peace with it because he knew he contributed to something bigger and that was his goal from the very beginning
1: yeah man it's just it's so good and then you see like you see like the draw, like the red room of like when they're editing f- uh film and stuff. And like you see like the-, the blue, green, red dye and all that different colors mixed with like all the different scenes. of just all the different characters from throughout this movie. And and then you see the clacker card of Babylon, which is kind of breaking the fourth wall, which is great there. <laughs> but it ends with the fantastic sound it makes like the wah sound Mm -hmm. and it just ends and it like it makes a sound and then you hear just the orchestral like blare of a finale and he just ends with a smile man like oh my god what a fantastic picture man
0: (laughs) honestly though the music made that ending Yes. oh yeah (laughs) You know and what like, I mean? Like that music paired with it was phenomenal. I think without it, it would have been a different ending.
2: Listen, we could literally do an entire hour
1: more. Of just talking about the score. Just talking about the score. <laughs> like what what makes the final score so good? Uh, just finale is that it, it it draws every single thing that played throughout the film in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it's 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 so good. Listen,
2: Justin Hurwitz, man, I've never met you, but like you're you're bound to be one of my like favorite composers of all time. Absolutely insane work here throughout the whole movie, not just the finale, the whole movie excellent like if I, like listen if this thing does not win the oscar for best original score i don't care if it wins nothing else but <laughs> like, like it literally doesn't have to win anything else but best original score better better go to justin Herbert.
1: it it deserves best original score man like, like like the fableman score was great but it's only 30 minutes long like listen john williams i love you but it deserves <laughs> to be here and like like there's even an unused piece um, there's yeah, there's an unused piece of um, of score from La La Land when they did it. It's an, uh, another day of sun, Zach's favorite song from the La La Land, right? Zach, no, <laughs> <laughs> but um, they there was an alternative version of, of Another Day of Sun that uh, I was watching a South by Southwest um interview of Justin Hurwitz and he's talking about just different pieces from. La, La Land and like what he got the inspiration from and what he wanted to do with it. And a different version of um Another Day of Sun was literally champagne from this film. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Man, that wouldn't have worked. So I'm so glad he was able to pull that from there and use it in this film.
2: And it and it works so beautifully. It works so
1: freaking well.
2: All right. So
1: I probably have a guess, but
2: we gotta we gotta officially do it uh brandon what is your final score Uh, for babylon
1: half a star no kidding yeah Uh, (laughs) oh man i would shoot uh uh, no that's such a disrespect no solid five stars i the first time from the first time that I watched it to the fifth time i watched this (laughs) five stars all around like i love this film so much i have such an appreciation for this film it it has become my second favorite film of all time Nice. Which is just insane to me. 2022 came in and just absolutely screwed up my top five. So, yeah, I know. Solid five stars. My favorite film of 2022. My favorite, second favorite film of all time. I have a steelbook on pre-order. Whenever the soundtrack releases on physical, I might get the uh, the Ooh. final or the CD. But, man, nice. this film was just so freaking good.
0: Zach, what about you? Uh, I'm going to have to follow with Brandon and also give this movie five stars. It was... Honestly phenomenal. And um, the only thing that beats this for me this year is Fablemans. Um, but I absolutely love this movie. I think it's 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 amazing, it's very well done. Nice.
2: Um I am just under I I am no no, 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 no. I am no, struggling. No,
1: don't fall. Don't fall. Uh, Dude, you gotta, you gotta I please. gotta,
2: I gotta. I'm going five stars as well. Let's go. Uh, like like I mean cuz it's so good. It's so good. Like it really it really is and I loved everything about it. It spoke to me on many different levels. I love this story, the writing, the the execution of every aspect of filmmaking. Cinematography, editing, writing, score, everything. Phenomenal. I get that it's divisive. I don't care. Whatever. There's so much good stuff hiding underneath the debauchery and all of that. Please check it out. Five stars all around. Babylon is easily, in our opinion, definitely one of the best films of the year and probably one of the best films of all time. (laughs) Like, like definitely the best one of the best of Damien Chazelle's career so there you have it five stars all around from each of us here at Film Code let us know what you guys thought of Babylon huh
1: I want a off of Sid
2: <laughs>
1: like oh, I'm yeah, not kidding absolutely. that would work
2: that, that would, would be work. dope that would be absolutely dope all right we gotta move on now to what's good what's good what's good what's good, what's good, what's good. already <laughs> zach what has been good for you sir
0: well like i mentioned earlier um i did get the chance to see 2001 space odyssey and um although it's very slow paced it was amazing um i definitely see why it has stood the test of time and still a relevant movie to this day and some of the things that they did Like, I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, wow, this was made in 1968. That's crazy. Uh, So, yeah, that was another solid five-star movie for me. Um, I don't want to really give too much away. It's kind of just something you have to watch. It's slower paced, so if that's not your thing, I get it. But it's really well-made and phenomenal. So, yeah, check it out if you haven't already. Right.
1: Brandon, what about you? For me, uh I finally got the chance to go check out The Whale today. Um mm. It's finally playing nearby and man, that film was awesome. Um I I don't know if we'll get a chance to do a review for it or not, so I'm just going to say it now is it, I think it's a solid 4-star film for me. Um Brendan Fraser showed up to work for that film.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my
1: god. Just I I listen, I already know they're going to play this clip when they're showing when they're announcing him for not as a nominee, where it's like, I just want to know that I have one good thing in my life, man. Just that is the highlight of him in that film. He is so freaking good. And it's just it, it it's, it's such a great film. And A twenty four just I think overall they they stepped it up this year. Yeah.
2: And so, a really good year. We're yeah.
1: Good. Dude, the whale was just so good, man. (laughs) Um, yeah. All right.
2: Uh, for me, man, I have been going. Uh, this has been a really good week. Uh, film independent. I'm a film independent member, so their screening room open. I've watched like six films, (laughs) uh, since it's open. So much good stuff. Like, I haven't seen a bad movie yet. Um, but I'm gonna highlight one that I think has maybe gone under the radar, uh, which is a movie called "Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul," uh, starring Regina Regina Hall and uh, Sterling K. Brown. Um, I dug the hell out of this movie. I thought it was so unique and so fresh, and I loved it it's about these two pastors who are enduring a scandal and like how they handle it. And they have a documentary crew following them and how they're trying to revive their church and get their community back. And it's, it's so it's, it's shot in a documentary style, but also shot as a movie. It's really interesting. I, I loved it. I think Regina Hall and Sterling K Brown give fantastic performances it flew under the radar. Not many people saw it. Some people who saw it didn't feel as as high about it as I do. But I really enjoyed it. I thought Regina Hall was fantastic. She she would probably be in the running for best actress if you know it wasn't so many uh, incredible performances this year. But uh, so that that one's for me. Uh, Honk for Jesus, save your soul. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, so there's that for me. The whale from Brandon and 2001 a space odyssey from zach so three incredible movies for you guys to check out uh, and that's what's good from us here at film code what's good, what's good, what's good. Uh, we're gonna head up out of here guys so brandon let everybody know where they can find you sir
1: yeah, you guys can find me over on Letterboxd at F A N T A S M I C ears over on Letterboxd. I just said that again. Uh go check out what I'm watching, go check out um I can Oh man, my Letterboxd review just absolutely f- I I I my Letterboxd review is not good. Just <laughs> never log never log any any like series rewatches because a Harry Potter rewatch absolutely fucked my entire thing. Um, <laughs> Freaking David Yates was my top director. Um Alan Rickman and um um Radcliffe Grant, or- Daniel <laughs> Radcliffe were like my top actor. it's every every single top actor was just from Harry Potter. I'm like, I hate this.
2: Yeah, (laughs) just because I logged
1: eight films of watching, like I went through and rewatched the Austin Powers trilogy, but I only logged the first one because I don't want this screwing up my uh, my list. (laughs) I don't. I want a solid letterbox review this upcoming year.
2: Nice. So,
1: yeah.
0: All right, Zach,
2: where can everybody find
0: you, sir? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Zach Sneath. That is Z A C H S N E A T H. Or you can find me on Letterboxd at ZSneaks.
2: All right, guys, you guys can find me on Twitter at Reviews one That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under PA Cloudin. And as always, guys, please follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. And we will see you guys next week. We are out of here. Peace.